You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Isaiah chapter 9, and starting in verse number 6, the Bible says in Isaiah 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born... Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end, upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Lord, I pray that you take the message tonight. It's a simple message, but Lord, as we look into what it really means for you to be these titles, these names that are given to you, as this is a prophecy of uh, Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ that would come. And Lord, we pray that tonight you'd give us understanding of your word, and not just understanding, Lord, but that it affect our hearts and our our minds and allow us to change and to uh, draw closer to you in our relationship. We love you, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to read the lyrics to that song that Miss Madeline, Miss Bethany just sang for us. It says, the second part of that first verse, The world walks by and wonders why we celebrate a king, but do they know who came on that first Christmas day? The chorus goes on, He is our wonderful counselor, everlasting father, the mighty God, prince of peace. The great I am, he is marvelous, glorious, God's perfect lamb, and that's who came when Jesus came. Tonight, let's dive into those titles of Isaiah chapter 9, starting with number one, wonderful. What does it mean that God, Jesus, the one who would come, the child that is to be born, the son that is given, that Jesus is given the title of wonderful, wonderful. The dictionary gives us the definition, wonderful means adapted to excite wonder or admiration, astonishing, amazement or amazing. It's full of wonder. And may I say our God that we serve today, Jesus Christ, he is full of wonder. He is full of amazement. He does astonish us because it's amazing what he does and what he chooses to do even for us who don't deserve it. I think about um, magic tricks. If you've been to a magic show, I don't know, or maybe you've, you've th- uh, uh, tried to amaze your child, as I have tried to do and failed, uh, because Michael tends to catch on to the trick pretty quickly. But even the simple coin trick, where you take a coin and you try to make it dis- look like it disappeared into the other hand, and, and then try to bring it back from around his ear or something. And uh, what it takes, obviously, uh, magic is not just pure magic, as it, there's no explanation. It certainly does. Uh, There's illusions, there's distractions, um, there are deceptions, and that is what really is behind a magic trick. But I'm glad tonight that, praise God, Jesus isn't an illusion. I'm glad tonight that Jesus didn't have to try to distract us or deceive us into who he actually is, but we can know from the word of God that he is the true, uh, wonderful uh, counselor, mighty God, and we're going to prove that tonight just by thinking about all that he's done for us. Colossians tells us in chapter 2 of verse 8 through 10, Beware lest any man spoil you 
through philosophy and vain deceit. There's the magic tricks we're talking about. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him, in Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Uh, Jesus is God. There is no deception. There is no illusion. He is God. It doesn't matter if the, wor the world wants to accept it. It doesn't matter if the world wants to try to change it and just say, oh, he's a good person. He's a great example to look to, but he's not God. That's false. We, we know that the Bible tells us that Jesus is God. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. The Bible says in Psalm 107, verse 31, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. That's actually mentioned four times in the book of Psalms, that, that very verse. And as we look at that, it looks like a plea to me. It looks like they don't do it as often as they should. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for, for his wonderful works to the children of men. As we think about how wonderful God is this evening and during this Christmas time, I'm thankful and I'm amazed by God's grace, aren't you? God's grace in our life, and God's given me a double dose of grace and giving me uh, my wife named Grace, and I need that. But grace is giving us what we don't deserve. What don't we deserve? We don't deserve eternal life. We don't deserve a home in heaven. We don't deserve the blessings here on earth, but yet God chooses to bless those who bless him, and God chooses to give us what we don't deserve if we receive him. Mercy, I'm, I'm amazed by his mercy, not giving us what we do deserve. We deserve punishment for our sin. We deserve an eternal death, a death in a place called hell. We deserve to be alone, separated from God forever, but yet in his mercy, God shows not to give us those things as we receive him as our Savior. I'm amazed tonight by God's love, the wonder of his love, and not just any kind of love, not just a surface love, but a sacrificial love that God gives to every one of us. Uh, the Bible calls it an agape love. It's a, it's a love that, that is sacrificial. Romans 5, 8 has this kind of love in it, but God commendeth or demonstrateth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. I'm amazed by the wonder of answered prayer. Anybody else tonight amazed by the answered prayer in your life? I think about our little girl, Olivia, who was born November 24th, the day before my birthday, the day before Thanksgiving. And uh, I, I recount that situation. And it just amazes me how smoothly that went. Because after all of that happened, the whirlwind settles down, and we just think about it as we're holding little Olivia in our arms. There's a whole lot of stuff that could have happened uh, if, if we would have thought about it for a second. We didn't have a chance to think about it. We just, you know, we, we darted for the hospital. But yet, God is so good in giving us answered prayer. And that's just one of many. I'm amazed by Jesus' birth, his life, his death his resurrection, and his ascension. We think about in the Old Testament the hundreds of prophecies that were for the coming Messiah, the Christ, and how Jesus fulfilled every single one of those. Only God could have done that. And just for example, may I say, um, there was a prophecy that the Messiah will come from the tribe of Judah. Jesus fulfilled it. The Messiah will be a descendant of Jesse. Jesus fulfilled it. 
The Messiah will be a descendant of King David. Jesus fulfilled it. The Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. The Messiah will be born of a virgin. Jesus fulfilled it. Herod would slay children under two years old. That was a prophecy, and it came true. The Messiah will come out of Egypt. He would enter Jerusalem on a donkey's colt uh, later on in his life. He would be betrayed by a friend. The betrayal would be for 30 pieces of silver. The money would be used to purchase the potter's field. The Messiah would die a sacrificial death for us. He would die with criminals, but his burial would be with the wealthy. And he would raise from the dead. These are just a handful of what Jesus fulfilled as he was the Messiah. He was God in the flesh. So could I ask you tonight as we're looking at that first title that Jesus is given in Isaiah chapter 9. Is he wonderful to you? Jesus, the child, the son that is given, he is wonderful. He shall be called wonderful. But is he wonderful to you? Isn't he wonderful, wonderful, wonderful? Isn't Jesus, my Lord, wonderful? Eyes have seen, ears have heard, it's recorded in God's word. Isn't Jesus, my Lord, wonderful? His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. Jesus, my Lord. He's the mighty king, the master of everything. Jesus, his name is wonderful. Is he wonderful to you tonight? The next title that's given is counselor. One to advise another in regard to his future conduct and measures. We don't just have a normal counselor. We don't just have Ahithophel as David had Ahithophel as a counselor, and he was quite, quite the good counselor. As a matter of fact, everything he said, it was like the oracle of God. And everything would come to pass, but yet we have someone even greater than Ahithophel. We have the counselor of counselors. That is the God that we serve. Jesus is our counselor. Aren't you glad that we have Jesus as the one to advise us of our future conduct and uh, our measures? The one who knows every detail about you? The one who knows everything that there is to know about everything? That's Jesus. He is omniscient. What does that mean? He's all-knowing. He knows everything. Everything that was in the past, everything that is right now in the present, and everything that will be for eternity, Jesus knows, and he knows every detail. That is our counselor. I think I could trust a counselor like that. I think I can take his word for it and have full confidence in his counsel. That is our counselor. Romans 11 recounts of this. Uh, verse 33 starts, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again? For of him, and through him, and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. That is God, our counselor, Jesus, our counselor. Have you ever been instructed by someone who didn't know what they're doing? Have you ever been that instructor who didn't know you, what you were doing? I remember driving uh, in... At Skiles Driving School is, is where I took some driving lessons, and uh, we did on-the-road training there. And uh, my dad took me out on, on 
country roads like gravel roads. And, and there I kind of got a little familiar with the car, and I'm thankful he did that. And uh, I've talked to some of our teens as well, and, and some of our teens are, are pretty used to driving. They don't have a driver's license yet, but they're, they're pros at it. Uh, some think they're pros, and, uh, and we're praying uh, for those that have just gotten their license. Um, but uh, we, I was in driving school, and I happened to be paired up with, he, he's a friend of mine, still is a friend of mine, and uh, his name will go unmentioned, um, but uh, he was one that didn't really have much experience behind the wheel. And it wasn't just that he didn't have experience behind the wheel, but he really didn't pay attention on how to drive or where to drive until he took the class. And I remember sitting in the back seat of that little car with the you know, student driver on the top, and, and the instructor right there had his foot ready on that pedal that the instructors do. And, uh, and he was sitting there in the driver's seat, and it happened to be at nighttime. That's when we would take our classes. It was an evening class. And so we're driving nighttime hours uh, with, with an instructor. And I remember one of the questions uh, that he would ask me before he started driving is, what side of the road are we supposed to drive on? <laughs> I'm, I'm literally, I mean, I'm going to be in the car with this guy. And uh, what, what side of the road am I supposed to travel on? I remember coming up to a stoplight and uh, waiting for the stoplight. It was red, and then it was green, and we're still waiting. And then all of a sudden, it started going, you know how the car is like, <laughs> like, as making the turn, jerking, going. And then all of a sudden, our, our instructor just had to slam on the gas and ask him, what are you doing? Well, it appears that, uh, that one foot, just like a go-kart, one foot was on the gas, one foot was on the brake, and uh, when you're driving a normal car, that is not a good combination, especially as you're using them at the same time. And uh, so, at, at least my friend, and, uh, and he learned, he's a great driver now, and I can look back and laugh with him at, uh, about that, uh, but at least he wasn't like that, and then had the attitude of, I know what I'm doing. That would have been a whole other ball game. Kind of like our children, you try to show them something for the first time and, and they say, I do it. I know what I'm doing. No, you don't. You've never seen this before. Let me show you. And, uh, but I'm glad that God, he's been around the block. As a matter of fact, he's eternal. And uh, he has no beginning, no end because he's always been. And God is our counselor and we can trust and have confidence in a counselor that knows what he's doing. Number three, the next title is Mighty God. We had counselor who, really, God is wisdom. And we can read about God's wisdom in the book of Proverbs and throughout his word. But then, not just wisdom, but he is given a powerful name, the mighty God. Not only does Jesus have all wisdom, he has all power to carry out that wisdom. He can fulfill every promise that he gives. He can perform on every uh, ounce of wisdom that he has. He is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. God is all-powerful. He is the mighty God. We know that the verse, Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Matthew 28, 18 says, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And then he goes and gives the great commission, because all power is given unto me, I'm going to be with you even to the end of the world. And you go and, and teach and preach the gospel to every creature. God knows and he's in control. What a wonderful consolation and comfort that is. Could I say that as the mighty God, Jesus has power over sin, 
death, darkness, the flesh, and the devil. Jesus can heal the sick, give sight to the blind, strengthen the lame man, and restore the possessed man. Jesus can calm the sea, uh, calm the sea walk on water, and cleanse the leper. Jesus can be born of a virgin, live a sinless life, die a vicarious death, and raise again over sin victorious. He can bear your burden, he can relieve your care, and he can give you courage. Jesus can bless you, deliver you, encourage you, forgive you, protect you, and strengthen you. Jesus can be your savior, your shepherd, and your friend. He can be your mediator, your master, and your provider. That is Jesus, the mighty God, and that is our God that we can serve. The mighty God, everlasting Father. Let's look at that title. We have eternal, without end. Everlasting. Jesus says he is one with the Father. We find that in John chapter 10 and verse 27. I'll read that for you. It says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Jesus is our everlasting Father. He is the eternal ruler. No one else can usurp his throne. His kingdom shall last forever and ever and ever. We find that in this passage, we, we can look at the future kingdom that will come one day as Jesus corrects all that is wrong and, and gets rid of the violence and the rebellion of this world and brings in and ushers in his kingdom of peace. That's why he's given the title here in, in uh, Isaiah 9 and, and uh, verse 6 that he is a wonderful counselor. He's, the, he's the, the strategic one who knows what he's doing in battle. He's the mighty God. He has the power behind uh, what he's going to carry out. He's the everlasting father, the everlasting ruler, and he is the prince of peace because he will usher in peace in this world. We cannot have peace without God. And as we get into that last title, let's go ahead and look at the prince of peace. Peace is freedom from disturbance or agitation. Peace is harmony. There's not much peace at the Johnson home every two to three hours at night. We have a newborn, and uh, that's just part of the territory. But yet, I'm, I'm glad I can say by the grace of God, we do have harmony in the home. And could I ask you today, do we have peace in our life? He is the Prince of Peace. Sometimes peace is something that is only fully appreciated, though, when you don't have it anymore. And so let us thank God for the peace that he gives. You know, that was the message of the angels that night. Let's take our Bibles to Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2, we have the account where the shepherds are watching over their flocks by night. And the angel comes out of nowhere and, and really scares them half to death. And has this message for, for them in Luke chapter 2. And a verse starting in verse 10. The Bible says, and the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings. I'm not here just to scare you, but yet I have a good message of great joy, which shall be to all people, all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. We have here that this message of peace was brought to the shepherds that night. 
It was brought in the message and in the form of Jesus the Savior is born. Jesus the Savior is going to usher in a peace and, and uh, appease God because he has paid the ultimate sin debt. Jesus gives us peace with God when we accept him as our Savior. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Could I ask you this evening, do you have peace in your life? Do you have peace at your workplace? Do you have peace in your home? Do you have peace in your heart? And maybe if there's an area in your life where you don't have that kind of peace that you're hoping for, maybe the answer is you just need a little bit more of Jesus in that area of your life. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. I think sometimes we don't, we don't fully captivate that thought of, man, that we can have full peace in our life. There can be a lot going on around us, but just as Jesus was walking on the water and just as Peter wanted to come out to him, Peter was able to walk on the water and experience that miracle and experience the peace of God in the midst of a storm because his eyes were on the Prince of Peace. And could I encourage you tonight, if there is a, a, a little turmoil in an area of your life, why don't you ask the Prince of Peace to help you in that area of your life? The Prince of Peace is the author of peace. He is the giver of peace. If you know Jesus, you'll know peace. But if you don't have Jesus, you won't have peace. John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. God gives us a peace that passes all understanding. Psalm 119 says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. We look at the titles here of Isaiah chapter 9. He is, he is the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and the prince of peace. My challenge to you tonight and the application for us is this. What is our response going to be now that we understand who actually came on that Christmas day? We know that Jesus came and we understand that he has these titles because it exemplifies the attributes of his very character. But yet, what is our response to God now? How are we supposed to respond to God, the Savior, the Christ who's come? I think our response should be similar to that of the wise men and that of the shepherds. And let's look at that tonight and we'll be done. Number one, in our application tonight, he is worthy of our praise. Would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 2? Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 9. We find the wise men. They go to King Herod and ask about this king of the Jews, and Herod panics. And he says, Go and find him, and, and when you found him, let, let me know so I can go worship him too. And uh, verse 9, it says, When they, he they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. That's a response to the Savior right there. Uh, he is worthy uh, to give us great exceeding joy if we fully wrap our minds around the magnitude of him coming. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. The wise men's reaction to Jesus' birth was great joy and it was worship. You know, God is worthy of our worship tonight. I think we've already established that. 
God is worthy of our praise. How often do we praise Him? How often do we, in our life, show a praise and a reflection of, hey, God, this is, this is me giving you the glory for this in my life. God, I'm going to live my life as a Christian should because I want you to get the glory and not myself. I want to praise you and I want to worship you through my time, my efforts, all the resources that you've blessed me with. God, may I worship and praise you with it. And then he is worthy of our passion. That's a proper response as these wise men presented to Jesus their best. Gold, frankincense, myrrh. The song refers to these uh, three wise men, and we assume there's three because of three gifts, but uh, refers to them as kings. We three kings. They, they had the reputation. They had the popularity. They had the name among uh, people, but yet they chose to worship God, and they chose to give uh, this child their best they had to offer. It's because they want, he's worthy of our praise, and they wanted to give him their best. That requires a passion. It really does. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, Jesus says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There will your passion be also. What you invest in, what you spend your time doing, what you financially give uh, to, to whatever it is, that's where your desire is going to be. And so our desire tonight, he is worthy of our desires and our passions. When you properly recognize how great God is, it ought to give us a passion and a desire to use our time and resources for Him. Do you talk to Him with a passion? Do you read your Bible with a passion? And I'm preaching to myself tonight. Do you attend church with a passion? Do you tell others about Christ with a passion? Do you shine your light with a passion? Anything we do for God is worth doing with a passion for He is worthy. Amen. He loved you with a passion. He died for you on a cross with a passion. He saved you with a passion. He intercedes for you with a passion. And so therefore, because he is worthy, we ought to give uh, him our very best as well. And we ought to worship him and to serve him with our life with a passion. Number three, our response to who Jesus is should be he is worthy to be proclaimed. Luke chapter 2, going back there if you'd like to, in verse 17, the Bible says, And when they had seen it, Jesus being born there, uh, um, the shepherds, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things, wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. The shepherds' response to seeing Jesus born and to seeing that Christ child, the promise of God fulfilled right there, is that they went out and they told everybody about it. And everybody wondered at it. And they thought, wow, this is amazing. That prophecy is fulfilled. But the shepherd's response to that is they proclaimed the name of Jesus. They proclaimed the gospel is what they did. And we ought to do the same. Jesus is the, me uh, the message worth shouting about. More than any sports player, which uh, I was... I, uh, talking with Mark uh, uh, Bybee about this last night, but uh, he had mentioned that Steph Curry was just about to break the, the all-time three-point record, and, uh, and he actually did it. Um, and I saw the, uh, an article about it this morning that, that he broke that record. And uh, so the world knows about it. The world knows that Steph Curry broke the all-time three-point record of how many three-point shots uh, to make. But 
We ought to do the same thing with our passion with Christ. More than any sports player or shopping deal or free food, I'm the first one to tell people about free food because I want it as well. But Jesus is to be loudly proclaimed. And then my last point is this, and we'll be done. He is worthy to be preeminent in our life. That should be our response. Jesus, you are worthy to have first place in my life. You are worthy to be my top priority. Jesus is worthy to be first place. He's worthy to be first in every area of our life. Colossians 1, verse 18 says, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. So who or what is the Lord of your life? I've explained this to the teens before, and, and really it's, it's a thought that I, that I, I thought about, and I, it, to be honest, I didn't really think about it until I started thinking about it, you know, I was, to be honest. And uh, when you get saved, you're not only accepting Jesus to be your Savior, but at that very moment, you're making Him your Lord. When you get saved, you're accepting and, and acknowledging that Jesus is your Savior and your Lord. What does that mean? It means that you're saying that, Jesus, I am putting myself under you. Lord, you are my ruler. You are my authority. Whatever you tell me to do, that's what I'm doing because you are the Lord of my life. You're saying, Jesus, you're first place. Jesus, you're the one I'm answering to. Jesus, you're the one I'm accountable to. And so therefore, if I'm to have, uh, to have Jesus as the preeminence of my life in every area of my life, I want to make sure that I'm acknowledging him as Lord of my life in every area that, that I can. Amen. Every area that I have control of, that's, Jesus should be on the throne. Is he on the throne in your life and in your heart? Jesus isn't just our Savior. He ought to be our Lord. And whether you recognize his preeminence in your life now or not, Everyone one day will recognize him who is worthy. I want to close with this passage of scripture. It's found in Philippians chapter 2. And, and uh, I'd have to say this is probably one of my favorite passages of scripture. The Bible says in Philippians 2 verse 5, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. And was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and every tongue, I'm sorry, and uh, of the things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, earth and that every tongue should, excuse me, and that every tongue, if I, my tongue is tongue-tied right now, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Every knee and every tongue confessing that Jesus is Lord. Does he have the preeminence in your life? That should be the proper response to acknowledging who he is. Jesus, the child that is given, the, the, the child that is born, the son that is given, shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That is the God we serve. And our response should be just as we covered. 
And he's worthy to be proclaimed. He's worthy to have the preeminence in our life. He's worthy uh, of our praise, and we ought to praise him in every era, area of our life. I want to close with this, uh, this song that we opened the service with tonight. The bridge says, He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He's a counselor, deliverer to me. He's the everlasting Father. He is the King of glory. And I'm glad I know who Jesus is. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.